When you need medical help fast, use NHS 111 online to go from home to an urgent treatment centre. Mr Williams, please come through. Or a pharmacy. Hello, pharmacist will see you now. Or if needed, stay where you are and get a call from a nurse, doctor or paramedic. Get assessed and directed to the right place for you in as little as 90 seconds. Use NHS 111 online. This is our People podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hello, I'm Fiona Thompson. I am a communications officer with the Trust and today I'm joined by Mark Taylor, who is our Head of Innovation. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Hello. What does your job involve and who is part of your team? Uh, So my job role is, obviously, as you mentioned, the Head of Innovation, and that does include looking after innovation locally within the Trust. So that's um, Trust-led ideas and staff who have come forward with ideas. Um, And obviously we'll look after the innovation team. We also work with some external partners and people who have innovations within healthcare who are looking for either peer reviews or to try to test it out and see if there's a market within the healthcare system for them. But also as part of my role, um, I look at sort of wider strategic partnerships for the trust. Uh, So that's with external organisations such as the universities in our region. So we've got close working relationships with um, various universities in the northeast and North Cumbria. Uh, working with teams such as the Academic Health Science Network, North East and North Cumbria, and Medilink um, as part of their steering groups and innovation teams. And uh, we also work with various other national and re- regional organisations uh, such as uh, the Royal Colleges and things like that. Uh, locally, we also look after things like the strategy, the innovation strategy, which will be um, coming out later this year. Um, the intellectual property or IP policies that we do. We also look at sort of doing some of the comms work and such as the annual reports, uh, you know, the quality improvement reports and that sort of stuff. Within my team as well, we've got a director who's Imran Ahmed, who's a consultant neonatologist over at the Sunderland Royal Hospital. We've also got a project manager and an innovation administrator. Um, as well as that, as the direct team, every project will have its own team, so we'll view that there's extended teams within each project. So that's supported by things like the innovator locally, anyone external who they're working with, and relevant teams within STSFT. Uh, having a stakeholder in those teams, for example, medical physics get involved in some of our projects, um, IT get involved in some of our projects, some of the support and organisations, uh, support and departments there. We we'll also work with innovation scouts in the trust to assist us in various ways, such as signposting potential innovators towards us, helping assess ideas, uh, peer reviewing some of those ideas for external organisations and potentially other trusts and doing other tasks. So it's pretty busy. Pretty busy, yeah. (laughs) And is our team uh, the same size as comparable trusts and our neighbours, or do we have more or fewer members? What? Uh, What's the setup elsewhere? We're one of the bigger trusts within the region. Some other trusts uh, have just one person who's looking after this, um, and some have sort of uh, two or three uh, members of their team who they're going for. Uh, you know, it varies on trust to trust and how they're based. Um, Some are based like us as a research and innovation team and some sit under different uh, directorates and directors. I suppose that just kind of reflects that we feel it's a really important area of work that we do. Yeah, so we sit under the sort of corporate services banner um, and I think uh, within STSFT, you know, it's not been um, any secret that the executive are really supportive and really um, innovation 
keen, I suppose is the best way of putting it. And they do put out really great messages and it's great to have such a such support within the trust. I know that Ken Bremner, who's our Chief Executive Officer, he, he's um, spoke really clearly about his views about how important it is you know, in terms of forging the future of the NHS and the important part that, that your role can play in where we're going. So that's good to know. So how did you come into the role? Uh, so during university I worked within retail um, and then after finishing my degree I moved into the NHS via medical records so I worked for a few years within medical records which you know gives, gives you a great layout of the hospital that you're working in and understand how all the departments work together and then an opportunity came up to move to the Newcastle Joint Research Office as one of their administrators um, and during that time it gave us a great understanding of the background of how studies are set up and then after that, I moved into the LCRN, so the Local Clinical Research Network, Northeast and North Cumbria, and I was afforded the opportunity to be a study support coordinator, so that was helping to set up trials on a regional basis and working across the region with all the different um, trusts. And then from that, uh, I went on secondment internally uh, with the LCRN and AHSN's joint funded post in MedConnect North, which is looking after um, SMEs, so small and medium enterprises who are looking to try to get evidence generated on their medical devices and that's uh, that's grown greatly over the last few years and after that I moved across into the AHSN, so the Academic Health Science Network, is their innovation manager looking after the innovation uh, leads and innovation returns and doing lots of work with all the trusts across the region um, and then from that obviously the opportunity to come um, locally and work within uh, STSFT as the Head of Innovation uh, popped up and uh, it was an opportunity that I sort of put in for and couldn't miss. And so if you think about how when you used to work in a shop, did, have you found that there's like a crossover skills that you found, you learned when you were doing that role that come in useful here? Yeah, so I think uh, obviously customer service and you know making sure that obviously the customer left uh, happy even if they didn't manage to get the item they wanted, looking at alternatives and solutions for how they could do it and sort of um, Working with the general public to to a point, you know, you everyone's different who comes through the front door, and uh, working with all the different teams in the shop does help. So obviously, when you come into the NHS trust, the customers they're either the patients or the other departments that you're working with, and it's just uh, how you build the rapport up. And I I do think that sort of all the social skills that I learned from that and and how to work under difficult situations sort of helped. Uh, obviously, especially during sales time when it was really busy, helps uh, for when it's the end of year. Uh, yeah, do you know that you're going to have to look after a lot of things at the same time, and uh, everything's always busy. Mm. And, and it's just about kind of having that ability to, to talk to people, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, and I think uh, within this role, obviously, I've mentioned sort of the um, network building, both regionally and nationally, and I do think that sort of social skills does help. Do you know, to get getting a con- getting a converse with different people. Um, you know, sometimes that water cooler moments, the things within innovation that do spark ideas and the amount of times we've been meeting for one project that then a little bit of a discussion's meant that we've worked out that there's either an unmet need or there's another project that's on the book that sort of sparks more projects and I think a few of the ones we'll talk about later have sort of come from them sort of discussions. And you also mentioned that you work for, um, worked in uh, medical records, so what kind of work did that involve because beyond the NHS and even within the NHS I don't know how, that, that people would understand what that was all about. So what kind of 
kind of tasks did you have to do? So I think medical records has changed a lot since I worked there um, because obviously there's been a push uh, for digitalisation of medical records. Uh, so back when I first worked, there was lots of paper records that was there. It's making us sound really old, isn't it? Um, and what I would do when I started was uh, go out on trolley runs, which was going to pick up all the medical records from the secretaries, the outpatients, all that sort of um, the, the periphery areas, bringing them all back, making sure they were scanned in and appropriately filed. Um, and then I moved into a, a more senior role where I was looking after the a team who were looking after children's outpatients at the time and were, you know, getting the records and making sure that they were down in clinics for when the patients came in to be seen so the doctors had the physical records and they could file all the stuff away from there. But obviously there's been lots of innovations even within medical records and the move to things like the Great North Care record um, and, you know, the digitalisation and scanning of all them records so they're at the doctor's fingertips a lot quicker. So, yeah, it, it, it's only been about... 10, 12 years within the NHS and you know it, it does feel like a long time but I think that's been a really key It's a good, it's a good way like you mentioned to, uh, trying to, to, to kind of get your head around where things are who does what like how the organisation works because it is huge isn't it and to anybody first coming in like you wouldn't have a clue where to begin sometimes so it's a good chance to, to get your head around yeah, it is, and it's to see how a lot of the departments interact because obviously all the departments don't live in isolation. So you've got things like MDTs and you know consultants who work across across specialties to help assist the patient in that. So I think it shows you how big of a team it actually is. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, you've already touched on loads of things already. But when we say innovation, what kind of projects are we talking about? And other what what kind of other responsibilities does your team take care of? So um, one, of the, one of the key things that I use when I'm introducing people to innovation is the innovation pathway. Now um, that's sort of a regional thing and every trust has its own little uh, versions of it. So it's basically how it goes from culture all the way through to commercialisation and us as an innovation team help across the whole board bar the side of research because they are their separate own team and they've got their own governance structures and things that they need to locally, regionally and nationally adhere to. Um, but obviously we help up to sort of like building prototypes um, and then once you get some of the prototypes or early stage apps developed some of them then go into the research on because they need evidence before they can be used um, externally or they need to gain evidence to get things such as their uh, regulatory marks and approvals to be uh, used both locally or sold commercially and then after that we sort of help with sort of knowledge transfers um, we help with things such as the commercialisation, we work on some things like the intellectual property which we've touched upon, so that ranges from copyrights, so we've helped within the trust about um, identifying some copyrights, how to make sure that's on there, how you share things um, appropriately, uh, you know, things such as patenting, so within my time in the trust we've uh, filed one patent which is sort of went into an international patent and I think we've got two projects that are currently sort of looking at patent. And when you mentioned the kind of commercialisation of um, of projects, that I know that Claire's touched on this, so Claire Livingston did a podcast with us I think in series one, it's worth having a listen to, but she's explained that basically when you do research studies and I guess it kind of crosses over into the kind of work you do, that money comes back into us as an organisation and their growth therefore gets invested back into our service doesn't it? Yeah. So we're not getting rich on it, it's helping the public service keep yeah. moving. 
And if you were wanting to see how that breakdown happened and you were a member of staff within SCSFT, you know, IP policy, the intellectual property policy, which is on the internet, gives you the actual breakdown of what people get. So, um, for example, the innovator will get some for coming forward with their innovation. Uh, the trust will get some to help with some of the services that's going. The individual department that the innovator has worked from will get that funding coming back into it. And obviously if we put some money, resource or time in, uh, the innovation department will get a small percentage as well, but that pot that we're using is to help fund the next innovations and the next prototypes and the next projects. So we're hoping that once some of these start going off, you'll start seeing fully self-funded um, projects that you know are really quick wins for the trust. But as well, some of the stuff that uh, looks on the commercialisation side, and I know that a lot of people are thinking about money, but some of it's you know, knowledge sharing, knowledge transfer. There's stuff that we learn within an organisation that's just great to present, to share with the other trusts around us so that they can learn what we've learned. Um, I'm trying to think, so to like poster presentations that you'll see, you know, people talking at conferences or even just sharing papers. And, and they're all what I would class under that banner because we're getting the word out from STSFT. That's even cross-departmental working. Yeah, that's true. And uh, if we're not get kind of learning for ourselves, it's helping other people in the long run as well, isn't it? So that's really useful. We also work uh, alongside various other regional organisations. So, uh, and I know you've already touched on those a little bit, but would you like to talk about who they are and how we play a part in pushing innovations forward through those? So... Uh, the two main organisations that we work with regionally are the Academic Health Science Network North East and North Cumbria, so the HSN and ANC, and Medilink North. So with the HSN, we are a member of their tech transfer contracts, which have been running for many years within um, STSFT and previous to that, the Sunderland Royal Hospital NHS Foundation Trust. And that's to help sort of pump prime and assist innovation within the NHS, as well as help them to deliver some of the objectives that are set by the Office of Life Science and NHS England regarding things like adoption and, and spread of innovation. We're also a member of the Innovation Forum through the AHSN and that is every one of the trusts who has an innovation department within the region meet to help share and discuss ideas. We hosted the September Innovation Forum last year jointly with the University of Sunderland to help showcase what Sunderland had to offer for other people within the region and, and share some learning. We also help share documents such as the IP policies or you know we've got, all got a joint confidentiality agreement that's been signed off to help speed things along. And also the um, HSN organised the Bright Ideas and Health Awards which is a great celebration of innovation that's happened over the last year. And obviously last year, Sunderland were very uh, South End Sunderland were very successful, winning three awards and being shortlisted for five, uh, which was a great success. And within Medilink, uh, we are part of the steering group, so that helps sort of SMEs who are looking to try to be within the healthcare sector. They've helped tr run training and upskill some of our staff within the uh, trust who are interested in innovation but also both of them help us when we have got ideas that are through the commercialisation stage so they help us either nationally, internationally or regionally to help promote what we're doing 
and they've uh, put us in contact with a lot of other organisations who can help support us. They've also helped us with the patterning of that stuff, so the market research and getting things through to the level of what it is. So the Shoulder Bench previously had won Bright Ideas and Health Awards last year, and they've helped us with the patterning. The HSN have helped us with the patterning for that, and both uh, organisations help us when it comes to some of the commercialisation aspects. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Shoulder Bench later on, so um, we'll go into a little bit more detail with that one. What do you enjoy most about your job? Um, with any job, I think it's a varied role. So every, every day is different. Every innovation project that you're going to come through is different. Um, and I think it's learning from those experiences and you're, so, you're helping frontline staff, uh, innovators, and sometimes patients who have come forward with ideas um, to really make a difference within the local trust and the local ward to begin with. And once you start seeing the positive feedback from them, it's great. And I think that's one of the best things about the job. I've seen it make a difference. Yeah, you, you really can. I think some of the projects that obviously we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, you can see the actual impact on patient experience. So even though we're not on the cool face, you know, direct contact with patients and helping them, I do feel at times that, you know, you can start seeing some of the results come back and we've either helped staff experience, patient experience, or even just outcomes that, that we've done. Um, and once you see that starting to get adopted by other trusts and organisations, that's great. So, you know, some of the stuff that I've worked on previously has went on to be, you know, picked up by NHS England and, and you can really see it make a difference. And if um, there's anybody out there that's got an idea or would like to find more about this as a career, what's the best thing for them to do? So, for example, my mum was a nurse and she was forever amending things, cutting things into a different shape. Like, there's people out there that have got ideas. What do they need to do if they've got those ideas and also in terms of a career as well? So if you're out there who and you've got an idea and you're working within the NHS, I think the best point of contact would be have a look to see if your local trust has got the innovation department, uh, go on your internet and have a look and see if there is a contact there and talk to them. And the earlier the better. So there's stuff there's people who've come to us and have got the project really far along and I think it's taken a little bit longer than what a, could have done because they didn't know that the support was out there um, not just in terms of funding but the, in terms of you know knowledge and experience of taking some projects through that way um, if you look to STSFT obviously reach out to ourselves um, and we've got an open door policy within innovation so we're happy to also have people pop by and say hi we're, we're happy to go out and talk to the directorates the teams you know we've got presentations we do presentations both locally and you know we've done it for universities and schools who for people who are interested in in understanding more about that and running a few little projects with them on our own trust comms channel i suppose that uh, i should plug that that we've had some of our events um posted on there so if you are interested in some of the parts of the innovation pathway some of the early stage stuff we've got stuff on there about prototyping potential um funding within Sunderland and South Tyneside area and when you should think about approaching certain people and uh, if you're interested in things like intellectual property I think it's, that's always best to get in touch with your local teams because they've got the expertise who can help you there and uh, just sort of googling some of the success stories you know the as we mentioned the Bright Ideas and Health Awards there's things like the NHS Innovation Accelerator and those out there where you can have a look and see what other people have done and how they've done it. Excellent and we know that the pandemic was a, a terrible time, um, but within our own trust, I know it pushed forward some innovations and it, it it's improved in some ways we've worked and other th like things that we use. So what what form did that take? 
I think within the early stages of the pandemic, I think that was obviously um, a bad time and obviously everyone was trying to readjust to what they were doing. And from our side on, when I was working in the HSN, obviously we had national and uh, regional meetings to see how we could support. So I think certain things happened um, and, and everyone was redeployed across the thing. And I think that was sharing a lot of skills. But nationally, I think there was a lot of pathway changes, you know, products adopted quicker than what they probably would have been. And ways of working changed across the board to help react to the pandemic. So I think nationally that can be seen by sort of like the digitalization of a lot of pathways. So, you know, remote consultations, uh, a lot of remote monitoring, for example, you know, when they had kits that were being sent out to care homes so that GPs could remotely monitor patients from their home. And I think a lot of those things are starting to get adopted into standard practice. And I think the ways of working, I think that's also to do with, you know, some of the stuff that helped in the pandemic is also going to help with things like the net zero and the green agenda. So having patients travel less is obviously going to reduce the people in cars creating CO2. So I think there's a there's a sort of segue into that. Locally as well, I think uh, one of the projects that won the Bright Ideas and Health Awards last year was the digitally enhanced cardiac rehabilitation during COVID. And that was led from the cardiac rehab team, which was led by Simone Rowlands. And obviously that was a great success within STSFT for that being identified as a as what's been happening nationally as well, obviously the digitalization of pathways. And it was great to see us recognised yeah. for that. So and to make a difference to our patients every day, which is what it's all about, isn't it? And I know, for example, uh, we had air purifiers brought in. I know there's a lot of that a lot of work done around that and they still remain on the ward. So I was in a ward at the weekend and saw them, that they're making a difference, helping to keep infections down. So it's things that, you know, it pushed our hand to make changes that made a difference in the long run as well, even though nobody wants to relive that again, do they? Yeah. Um, it was, continues to have an impact on everything we do. But you've made mention of a couple of projects already and I know that some are still under wraps because uh, we've got to be very careful about what we say because um, we need to make sure they are ready to go before we tell anybody about them. But um, we're going to talk about a few that we've already seen uh, be a success. So um, we're going to start with the Rise and Shine game. So what is the Rise and Shine game? So uh, during the pandemic, um, obviously there was restricted visiting hours and, and um, sort of people engaging on things like the care of the elderly ward and I think that was highlighted by the topic team uh, locally and they worked with one of the patient uh, ambassadors which was a local artist in Bob Ollie and they developed a game which the um, physios on the ward were using to help try to get the inpatients more active and it was seen as a great success, obviously, the, the patients engaged in it a lot. It made uh, rehab and you know all the physio work that they were doing a lot more fun and accessible. So obviously during that time, they got lots of evidence and, and generated and the outcomes were, were great for them. So when we worked with them, we were looking on how you would spread that a little bit further. And obviously the, the main intellectual property for this is copyright. So we worked together with a local games manufacturer and who had experience working with some of the local trusts and were recommended to us by through the innovation forum and we worked with them to help that get developed to a game that can be sold to other trusts care homes you know nhs organizations out there who would be able to benefit from it and uh, just this morning i've obviously got the email through uh, with the photos and the mock-ups of the games and how that's going to look and we're just working on getting the 
ordering system up and live uh, for that. So that's now able to be sold and the revenue for that's obviously coming back through and going into the care of the elderly ward and Bob Ollie's been great working with us there. The HSN helped work, make sure that IP was all sorted before going to focus games and, and, and sort all that internally from us. Mm-hmm. And we won some a little bit of internal funding to help keep that. Very good. And Bob Ollie's very uh, well regarded in South Tyneside in particular. Listeners can look up the West Door if they want to find out. Yeah. And also if we were if we were on our ward, how would we be playing the Rise and Shine game? What would we be doing to get so, involved? So I think that this is sort of like a nurse and physio led thing where they set the patients' tasks and, and what they're meant to do on each day with a reward and they're meant to get the sort of the cards that have got very good drawings of animals and sort of uh, caricatures on there. And they would get them to the place where they would deposit and then and, and whatever tasks you've been set, obviously you've got a chance of coming out the prize drawn and winning something on the award. Good for competitive people. <laughs> it is. Excellent stuff. And we also have been working on a maternity mural in uh, Sunderland Royal Hospital, so that is in the delivery suite, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about that project and how it's come together? Uh, so that project came th- to us through the maternity unit and that was with the Maternity Voices Partnership Network and they had a walk around the uh, maternity suites and you know the, the offerings for new parents and they highlighted some areas which they think could be improved among them was when you come into the Sunderland Royal Hospital's uh, maternity suite it seems very clinical you walk in and it's it was just white bare walls whereas um, over at South Townside I think they, they felt as if it was a bit more of a warm and feeling but obviously the one at South Townside's midwife ran and the, the one at Sun and Royal so a bit more of the higher it's risk it's led yeah um, so working with the maternity team we put them in with our connections with the University of Sunderland through in the uh, Creo team the Creo agency which is based in Sunderland which works with some um, art students and design students there to help get them real world experience so the we just put them in touch uh, from our side of things with the innovation team and uh, made sure that obviously all the right things had been signed off. The maternity team and Creo then obviously developed a brief, put that out to the to the uh, students and the students, sort of they, they picked who was the winner, they, they put forward three briefs, went through a real briefing um, stage or consultation stage. Uh, they picked the three that they liked the most, that went out to a public and staff vote and the one which won from the public and staff vote uh, has now went and been put on the three walls and brightened up the area within maternity and um, I started to get really good positive feedback from both staff and patients um, and if you keep an eye on our, uh, I suppose to our annual report, that's going to have <laughs> photos of the mural in, if you would like to have a look at the creative agencies, the Creo um, LinkedIn and Twitter page, they've got a good time lapse of it going up so if you are interested in having a look at that mm-hmm. Or would be interested in being connected through that. Um, the Sunland, so it's, it comes under the Sunland Creatives Agency. That's the kind of branding that they've given this pro- student uh, PR project, um, and that's quite active on Instagram. So it's quite easy to find on Instagram. They've done, like I say, they've done loads of different videos. So it's been quite interesting to see that work take shape. Um, and we know that people have been making some really good comments about it. I know that Dawn Edmondson, who's our head of midwifery, has said that she's overheard loads of conversations from families and staff members who've like taken it. Yeah, seen it and, and and really fed back, and I think they loved having um, the artist involved in the the unit as well uh, to see that work take place. And 
um, it just makes it brighter and nicer, doesn't it? It does, and it's been it's great. It's got a lot of. If you haven't seen it already, it uh, sort of reflects the Sunderland South Tyneside theme with a lot of local landmarks yeah. that you can um, spot on there, which is great. And obviously, um, as an anger organisation within the area, it's helped us to, you know, provide some students with some real world experience before they go out there and be designers. Yeah. And speaking about our maternity team, they are. Uh, always very busy they are also some of the members of the team are also learning sign language yeah so this was a one where we talked to them and that came again from the MVP discussions that there was people who were deaf or hard of hearing come through and they uh, felt as if you know sometimes it might be a little bit isolating if they don't have an interpreter with them uh, so we worked with them and they've, they've won um, some funding and they're working with online course to learn British Sign Language uh, level one so that's things like you know uh, hand finger spelling um, colours you know this is my name you know all the basic stuff when you learn in language and I think between 40 and 50 midwives have signed up for it and are doing it in their own spare time and they're uh, hoping to obviously make a real big difference for that and this is the sort of patient experience stuff that I'd mentioned before do you know when you see that rolling out it would be great when that goes out and you actually have a real impact there and you know I bet you the midwives once they finally get to use their sign language out there you know It'll make a real difference, and, and I know once you once you know a little bit of sign language, it kind of stays with you. So it's a skill that you can really retain and, and build on, I guess, if they want to progress and add to their add to their knowledge on that one. I can't think of any other uh, teams across the region or nationally who are doing this sort of uh, stuff in there. So you know, hopefully, once we do it and put it out there, it's a good exemplar for how STSFT are really embracing patient experience innovation and helping the patients have a better stay. Yeah, and it'll make a massive difference in terms of um, communication with our patients and uh, visitors and things like that as well. It'll make a massive difference to that experience. That's really good to know. And we've also mentioned the shoulder bench. So I know a little bit about this, but why don't you introduce what the shoulder bench is? Uh, so the shoulder bench is a project that's been going on for um, a little while, obviously, because I think it's a, a bit more of a device than what um, the other ones are. So. Basically, two of our consultants, Dr. Alan Mohammed and Dr. Phil Dowson, um, had identified obviously the time and the resource required in putting in a shoulder injury, and those who so shoulder dislocation, uh, and those who have either had one or you know worked in that area know that the quicker and sooner you get the shoulder put back in, the better the outcomes for the patient involved. So they were working out to see if they could use some device to try to put the shoulder back in quicker and potentially, you know, safer and without the need for anaesthetic, which obviously adds some time on as well. So they've developed the shoulder bench, which went through a few prototypes with a local SME, and uh, we've developed that, and it's now deployed on South Tyneside and Sunderland site, I believe, and that's now being used locally, and it's had great and positive impact on patients who are coming in with that. And I think some it's some nurse practitioners have started using it, and um, they're getting you know great job satisfaction from being able to put shoulders in, and you know it's speeded the process up for the patients. And now with the innovation team, we're discussing with a local um, SME, small medium enterprise, on potentially commercialising that and selling it to the other trusts. Now uh, we've already had some discussions with some other trusts who might be interested in adopting it because if they can replicate the results that we've had here be a fantastic purchase for them so keep an eye on that space when that goes out and we'll share some pictures of um, these projects alongside this um this episode but the shoulder bench in particular was kind of adapted from a bit of gym kit wasn't it like a, a different kind of bench i don't know what it was used for 
Yeah, I think it was called a preacher bench. Yeah. Is what it was uh, adapted from. So they'd seen that and thought that they could use that in sort of concept. But now it doesn't look anything like <laughs> where it <laughs> well, first you can start from. Yeah, so it's it's a great uh, testament to, to the innovative minds of some of our staff members who've seen an unmet need, seen mm-hmm. something out there, and uh, worked this project up. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you would be interested in reading a little bit about it, it was uh, highlighted last year in the Bright Ideas and Health Awards as a winner. Um, and they've done a little piece on them. And I think it's also been in the Sunderland Echo. Yeah, I think it's well. been in a couple of different places. So if anybody Google shoulder bench in our name, they should come across a picture of our colleagues standing outside Sunderland Royal looking a little bit cooled because it was still during COVID and everybody's wearing masks. We did a picture outside. But it is like, it's not the smallest bit of kit, but it is quite portable. It's metal and padded, and so it can be moved around quite easily. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think um, there's some video and things of it being used as well, so uh, we'll try and share the YouTube video because I know I've seen it somewhere. Uh, so that's really useful. So our speech and language therapy team, uh, who are known as SALT, uh, are also really busy. Uh, what are they doing in terms of innovations? So the SALT team have always been um, a really innovative group. So one of our innovation scouts comes from the speech and language therapy director, and uh, recently they've been involved with a lot of patient experience work. So one of our speech and language therapy teams has been working with the University of Sunderland and their photography students on, um, there's, there's been patients who have been diagnosed with cancer and went through surgery and this has impacted you know, their eating tastes, uh, all that sort of stuff when, you, when you're recovering from cancer. And what they've done is developed sort of what would hopefully culminate in their cookbook. Uh, so they're looking at how they've modified their eating, their support networks and all that um, stuff around them and trying to sort of show that in fo- photographs, uh, stories and uh, how they've modified their favourite recipes. And we're hoping that that will then in turn sort of inspire the next uh, cohorts of patients who are going through that to know that even though it's during a very isolating time and you might feel isolated there is a great support network around you both within the trust or family and there is ways around some of the recipes that you really enjoyed beforehand um, you can make them accessible to you now but also uh, there is a few other exciting projects in the pipeline with the SALT team uh, which we'll hopefully be able to get a talk about sooner so the you top know, do, watch, do watch the, that space <laughs> good stuff and what's next for the trust in terms of innovations i know you've got lots of other things coming up so yeah so within the trust uh we are launching a new strategy and uh, we're hoping to do that sort of around um april slash may time and i know that's uh, currently being made to look a lot prettier than what uh, i've made it uh with the comms team so our designers helping to look at that uh, we are going to be publishing an annual report soon. We've got a quality improvement um, reports coming out as well uh, locally if you're interested in anything from there. The annual report's going to look upon some of the projects, the strategy, how we've delivered certain um, aims and objectives that we've got, the grants, the funding, how we've co-worked with academia. Um, and I think going forward we've got a few grants and funding bids in with some of our partners that will be very exciting if they come off uh, so we're working closely with some of the universities to t- try to help support innovation and, and really drive it forward um, yeah, and hopefully you know, the next stuff will come from the staff so hopefully you know, 
there'll be some stuff that we don't know about yet. That'll be the stuff we'll be talking about in a year's we'll time. Do, yeah, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do another, <laughs> another visit to Elevation. Um, and I know the people out there do, have got loads of ideas and have probably made uh, adaptations on their walls and things already that they might could, could really turn into something a bit different. So yeah. there's potential there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Find you. And it's not just that. It's, you know, if you're, if you're thinking there's been a problem that's been there, so we'll also look for problems. So when might needs where you might see a problem that reoccurs a lot, um, but you don't have a solution. That's also... Uh, something that we know that feeling, don't we? This happens all of the time. Who's going to do something about it? Yeah, because th- there might be something already on the market in a different uh, different area than what healthcare is that could solve that problem. And uh, yeah, so if you come forward with those unmet needs, there's, there's lots of organisations out there who can help put that out wider, regionally and nationally. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. There's lots on the horizon. We'll <laughs> look look forward to a catch up another time. Um, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. And I will just say, by the time we record another podcast with you. Uh, the building work that we have been recording next to will be finished. So thank you to anybody who's been listening in and has put up with the various different alarms and sounds in the background. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for inviting us along. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up to date with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.